Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast IDP Edition. I'm your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and we are in the thick of the fantasy playoffs now, the final four for most leagues. Uh, it's a huge week and a stressful week for many. So luckily for us, we have an excellent IDP mind to help us through it and get those lineups set this week from Fantasy and Frames and host of the Shoot the Gap IDP Podcast, the great Nate Markham is in the house. Nate, thanks for coming on, man. Ah, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, the, no, nothing like the uh, pressure of week 16 to, you know, have all the eyes on me and you. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a stressful week. We get, uh, this is, I think, like, as much as we get a lot of start-sit questions throughout the year and, and the DMs and everything, I think these next two weeks are, are typically the busiest as far as start-sit. People are it's it's do or die right so this is the entire season comes down to this so i don't blame people for feeling stressed wanting to try to get as much information as they can so that's what we're going to try to do for them today we're going to bring go through each game uh we're gonna we're gonna talk about our favorite least favorite matchups players to watch for stuff like that so we'll whip through it as usual but make sure we still get all the information out there um and as usual we'll have the timestamps in the episode description as well um uh, what else do we do? We got the matchup-based visuals for the YouTube crowd as well. I'll put those up there for each game. Um, and if you are watching on YouTube, obviously feel free to uh, like and subscribe. That helps me a ton as well. And uh, yeah, leave some comments. Ask start sit questions in the comments as well. I'll check in there throughout the week and answer those when I can. Um, and then I'll have the link to the IDP rankings and the IDP fantasy report in the episode description as well. But Nate, we got 16 games. Obviously, bye weeks are done. It is the playoffs. We're going to get into it here. Um, I do want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor before we start ripping through these games. And it is from our friends at Fabric by Gerber Life. As a parent, you've had to learn so many new skills to provide for your family, how to do copious amounts of laundry, meal plan for even the pickiest eater, and now how to protect your family's financial future. Fabric by Gerber Life uh, provides an easy one-stop shop for your family's financial needs, offering high-quality term life insurance policies plus other financial solutions in one easy online hub. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you it's all online and on your schedule you could go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required join the thousands of parents who trust fabric to protect their family apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com fantasy that's meetfabric.com fantasy m-e-e-t fabric.com fantasy policies issued by western southern life assurance company not available in certain states prices subject to underwriting and health questions all right, Nate, let's kick it off with Thursday night football. It is the New Orleans Saints and the Los Angeles Rams. Where do you want to start uh, with this first game of the week? Let's uh, let's start with a little, I'd say, return to 100% snap share with Ernest Jones. Uh, you know, last week we saw, as, as you've noted, as I've noted, blowout victory. They eased his snaps, took a little bit of the workload off. I don't think this is going to be one of those situations, personally. Uh, right. against the Saints where it's a blowout. Obviously, you never can tell 100%, but I would like to believe that he's going to be close to 100% again. And even with, you know, 86% of the snaps, he was he was dominant. Granted, you know, picking up the sack didn't hurt, but you're not even concerned with any of the linebackers uh, even cannibalizing any of those tackles, correct? 
I'm not at all. Yeah, this is this is the Ernest Jones show as far as the Rams linebackers go. And I'm with you. I, I think I have Miss LB six this week um, going against the Saints, who are a decent op- a decent opponent for linebacker tackles. They're giving up the ninth most tackles per game to the position. So nice matchup for Ernest Jones. And I'm with you. It should be a close game. Who knows? Thursday night football is always crazy and wild and, and never goes the way we think it's going to go. Um, but like you said, it shouldn't be at least a blowout and, and Ernest Jones should stick to his 100% snap share, which is what we're really hoping for here. Obviously, in the fantasy playoffs, we want as many of those snaps as we can get for those um, for that, those production opportunities for Ernest Jones. So I'm with you. Love him this week. Um, anybody else from the Rams for you that, that stands out uh, in particular um, for, for you this know, matchup? I mean, if you want to deep, deep leagues, uh, Ryan Ramzik is uh, DNP'd twice so far to start the week. I don't know if he's going to play or not. Um, Brian Young could have a decent matchup. I, I just don't like many of the uh, the edge rushers as a whole for for the Rams. It kind of has its you know ups and downs, as you've noticed. And the, the matchup is good. The Saints aren't exactly generous to opposing defensive ends uh, from that, but. If you don't have Ramzik and I don't know, I, I've seen the upside with all three of them. P- insert which player? Is it Kobe Turner this week? Maybe Brian, Brian Young. Uh, other than that, I mean, I don't think that we're deep enough in the playoffs in week 16 that you're going to consider Brian Young. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like he, he's been an excellent, um, like kind of volume based option. So, that that really is more in that kind of like low end edge to really like edge three type range. If you really want, you know, volume and, and you're ba- banking on tackles and, and maybe falls into a sack type of thing. But for the most part, most people have better options than Byron Young um, this week. But, you know, in those leagues where you've been starting him and, and relying on him, then obviously those are deep enough leagues that you're probably still rolling with them. But I'm with you. It, it, it's you really want to bank more on the talent this week than anything. And um as far as pass rush metrics go, Byron Young has been, he's been okay. He's, he's been, you know, not, not amazing. And he's just been league average. He's a rookie is what he is, but we, we want to bank on those high, high quality players for, for the optimal um, scenarios here in, in the playoffs and, and hope that they can get the sacks for us as far as um, winning with talent, other than hoping that guys fall into sacks. Right. So yeah, I definitely get it. Um and the same thing kind of with Aaron Donald. I mean, Aaron Donald's been amazing. Like we're probably starting him in those DT required leagues, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, he's DT seven for me this week. So he's not right at the top or anything like that. But um, yeah, we've seen him. We've seen him, you know, have some lower, quieter weeks here recently. I really thought he'd have a better game against Washington last week and get um, a sack against Sam Howell. But Sam Howell's credit, he's been doing a bit better um, at, at avoiding sacks lately, right? And he's slowly moving away from that that top of the chart there as far as pressure to sack conversion rate goes. I think he's six now or something like that. So he was first for a while. But um, yeah, it hasn't been as easy of a matchup. So Aaron Donald, again, we bank on the talent here. DT required leagues, you're not benching him. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's pretty much the Rams for me. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I mean, nothing. Like I said, we could probably talk about every every each eleven. Yeah, you know, sure. the eleven and higher, lower. But it's you're not starting them. Anybody no. else? Um, yeah. So let's talk about the Saints here quickly. And as far as the Saints go, how, where are you at with like guys like Demario Davis and, and Pete Werner? Because as far as tackles go. They've been super inefficient. Demario Davis yep. has bailed us out with sacks um, a, a few times, which has been nice. But it's hard to bank on that kind of stuff. So I, I have Demario Davis as that kind of LB3, low-end LB3 range. 
Um, Pete Werner's outside of that range for me. So I, I, I'd be curious where you have uh, guys like that ranked. The same, because yeah. I, I want to trust that the the sacks, I mean, what he's, he's had three sacks in the last two games, but Pete Warner's inefficiency just eliminates me entirely. Demario Davis, I think, can fall into uh, at least that LB2, low-end LB2 kind of floor, which is right. all I really want, but not the best of matchups, the Rams as well. They, you know, right. um, Kyron Williams doesn't exactly... You would think that with that increased rush load, workload that you would see more of an importance at a linebacker to, from a scoring standpoint, but he's so good to get to that second level and beyond, and mm -hmm. they they don't go to the middle of the field. So it's, eh, you know, decent at the linebacker. Defensive end, so that, that's the one area I do want to right. touch on with you because yeah. the, the two areas that are important as far as I'm concerned is the Rams offensive line does improve. You, you bring back Rob Havenstein, Joe Noteboom doesn't have to start. But Carl Granderson and Cameron Jordan both have been limited at practice, kind of banged up over the time. Do you think that the improvement across the Rams' offensive line and a banged-up defensive front, are you lower on both of those two than what you had been? Because I dropped both of them a little bit. More, Grant, more Jordan than Granderson. Yeah, I've dropped Jordan quite a bit. Yeah, like, pretty much exactly the same. I, I have Granderson in that edge two range um, th this week, but I, I like I like Granderson. I think he's done some good things this year, but Jordan's the one that really, really concerns me, right? And like you said, he, he limited in practice, but looks like he's off the injury report now, which is good at least, but mm. he just, he hasn't been obviously the same for the past few years, right? Like he just hasn't been the same pass rusher that he's been. And he's been another one of those guys that's more volume dependent. So He's he hasn't been playing very much lately. He's been limited in his snaps. So I have him I have him outside that edge four range even. So yeah. he's he's way down there for me. Um and I'm I'm not trusting Tano Passigno either. <laughs> I, I know he had the three sacks last week and people might run to the waiver wire to, to pick him up kind of thing, but didn't even play 50% of the snaps. Um, he he only had a half sack coming into last week. Like this is not a player that we're trusting in the fantasy playoffs. I just want to put that out there for people. Um, I, it was nice the production last week if you had him in like a best ball league or something like that. But uh, for for regular redraft lineups, I, he's he's not making he's not making a starting lineup for me this week, especially with Cameron Jordan potentially healthier. He's probably going to cut into those snaps a little bit more because he's been so limited uh, in recent weeks. But yeah, not in love with the the Saints edge rushers. I do think that yeah, the Rams have been better lately as far as pass blocking goes. So that's been nice to see. Mm -hmm. It's always the Giants last week when you ever want to see an inflated uh, pressure total and or production. <laughs> always, always look at the Giants direction. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, and yeah, anything else from this matchup? I mean, I, I like Alante Taylor and Paulson Adebo. Um, the the Rams giving up the third most tackles to the cornerback position. Like I think those guys are startable, but. I don't know. Anything else for you for the Saints? No, no. I think you've we've touched on everybody that uh, startable. Sweet. All right, let's go on to the next game of the week. It is the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So let's start with uh, let's start with the Bengals side of things. And and the player I think I want to talk about most is Trey Hendrickson, uh, edge rusher. There, he has been uh, phenomenal this year. Really, I, I have him as edge seven this week going up against uh, Dan Moore, the left tackle there for Pittsburgh. So 
Dan Moore has a 37.6 pass blocking <laughs> grade, uh, which ranks 80th among 81 qualifying offensive tackles. So really, really poor, obviously. Trey Hendrickson on the other side, 90.1 pass rush grade, tied for the fifth best mark at the position. That's a career high for him personally. Um, yeah, I, I expect another dominant performance from Trey Hendrickson as a pass rusher. One and a half sacks last week uh, against a very good Minnesota offensive line. Uh, he's now at a career best um, 15 sacks for the year. So I think he, he still has a chance to kind of build on that this week uh, going against the Steelers. And I think Mason Rudolph at quarterback as well. So uh, we'll see how that goes for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I only went as far as the 60, uh, 61 qualifying tackles, and he was 61st out of 61 <laughs> as well. So I didn't even have to dig as deep to find out how good of a, of a situation Dan Moore is. And, you know, with the Bengals, what's crazy is Sam Hubbard has been such an utter disappointment that this is an, I mean, the matchup of all matchups, if you ask me, is that Broderick Jones, James Daniels, both near the bottom as far as pass, pass protection, yeah. and I still can't put Sam Hubbard even as a as a potential play, he he burned me last week too. I thought it was a good opportunity. Yeah, yeah, he's been he's been disappointing, and and he's just like pass rush. It just hasn't been his thing, right? Like he he's definitely been one of those guys that's fallen into sacks. He had a decent year in sack production last year, but mm -hmm. there was always the red flags, right? When you look at his win rate and pressure rate and things like that, it was always on the lower end and. The tackles have always been good for him, but even that's kind of uh, slowed down a little bit this year. So it's it's definitely harder to trust uh, a Sam Hubbard this week, especially going against a, 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 the Steelers here, which is a good matchup on paper. But uh, I don't know. It, like you said, last week would have been a, a little bit, I thought, better for, for tackle production, but didn't quite get there, unfortunately. Um other than that, the Bengals, pretty straightforward team. I, we start Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt's in that, that LB3 range. He's been great. Dax Hill, another starter easily at safety. Jordan Battle is still not getting the full 100% workload, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, anybody else from the Bengals for you? No, no, honestly. that's. I mean, I, I really, really like Jordan Battle like going forward, yeah. especially because he showed me really in his limited production that yeah. he has that ability, especially once he clips that. 90 something percent uh oh, yeah. snap rate he'll be he'll be you know high on my list but Absolutely. no nothing else special there yep i'm with you um looking at the Steelers side of things so uh we kind of talked about it last week w when mace was on because the Steelers were um yeah it was the landon roberts had played a, a smaller snap share than usual uh it was like around 81 percent, i think it was mm -hmm. and we, we were thinking you know short week dealing with an injury so the team wanted to kind of limit him so we wanted to see if he'd get back to that 100 snap roll uh in week 15 and he did so that was really encouraging i think to see for a landed roberts purposes um the most efficient tackler in the in the nfl right now 17.1 percent tackle efficiency is really nice um it's not the most amazing matchup this week against the bengals 19th most tackles to the linebacker position but it, it the opportunities there for him 100 of snaps i have him in that that kind of middle lb2 range um I, I think he he stays in there for me pretty much um going forward to, depending on matchup but um yeah like landon roberts quite a bit yeah and if you lose jamar chase in this matchup that just reduces the the explosiveness in this offense you'll see less deep threats deep passes i think you'll see more centric which just elevates that floor for me for landon roberts as well yeah absolutely um 
The other things from this, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick is out. DeMonte Casey is suspended. Keanu Neal is on IR. <laughs> the Steelers, I the only safety, and it's really deep leagues that if you have to trust somebody is Trenton Thompson. Um, but yeah, I'm not like rushing out to throw Trenton Thompson into a starting lineup this week. So other than that, it's it's the usual guys, right? TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, Cam Hayward. So um, yeah, and that's and Trenton uh, Thompson left the game with a stinger. Came back in the game, and now he's missed two practices with that oh same neck God. injury. So they may be even thinner that they said they might put uh, Miles Killebrew in at starting yes. safety, which, yeah, it starts getting uh, – again, we're talking about names that no one's going to ever discuss. Yeah. But I, I would also pay attention, watch Cameron Hayward, make sure he clears concussion protocol True. if you're in defensive tackle leagues that you are going to start him. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Good call. Um, so yeah, just stay away from the Steelers safeties. Um, I mean, <laughs> we got some deep leagues out there, but that, yeah. that was, those would be the only people considering them, but uh, yeah, just something to keep in mind there for those folks. Um, all right. I think that that's pretty much it for this game. Uh, yeah. Let's go to the bills and the chargers. Where do you want to start with, uh, with these two teams? So I want to start with the, uh, uh, the pass rush for, for Buffalo. Simply because it's what we've seen out of Easton Stick is the last two weeks now he's he's been sacked five times. I know it's not this egregious number, but it is proven that that offense is poor. I think that Buffalo could get at him. The thing is, is do you want to start uh, Leonard Floyd against a Trey Pipkin side that he suffered through a wrist injury? Uh, will he be a hundred percent? I think the opportunity is there. I, me personally, I'm not the biggest Buffalo pass rush fan. They've they've done the same thing that I've watched, you know, time and time again, is that you don't know if you're going to see enough of a workload with that. And Leonard Floyd, with even with good snaps, like last week, 5% win rate, 10% pressure rate, nothing spectacular. But do you want to go with opportunity? And the answer is probably not. I have them down far enough that I'm not going to start them. But it's an intriguing one of those situations where if you happen to run into necessity, maybe it's something to pay attention to. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense, uh, and I'm with you. I think I have Greg Rousseau at, like, edge 28 this week. He, he's the highest for me, and, and I just don't like the matchup against um, Rashawn Slater, who, who's been a really good pass blocker. I know he, he struggled against um, Malcolm Kuntz a little bit last week on, on Thursday, but yeah. it, overall, he's been he's been really good, and it, it's nice Easton Stick being back there. He's not Justin Herbert as far as being able to avoid sacks or anything like that but and get the ball out quickly, but so there's that potential there, but I'm with you. It, it's one of those matchups where it's not amazing. It, the, the snap shares aren't great for these guys. Pass rush metrics are like, okay, not amazing at all. Um, so yeah, it, it just depends how risky you want to get here. And and for the most part, I mean, again, we, we want to try to play it a little safer um, for, for most matchups here in, in the fantasy playoffs. So not sure that there's a, a ton of upside there to try to aim for. Yeah, I don't. I don't see a ton of upside myself, but I know there's, like you said, there's super deep leagues where people yep. are looking just for that, high, you know, big play scoring where the one sack can can catapult them into the the championship. I will say I don't. From a Buffalo side, there's not a ton of other names that I'm uh, hyperly, you know, aggressively going after. And you know, yeah. we look at the linebacker position, and it's like with Terrell Bernard and Tyrell Dodson, it's I'm just not sold on either one, even with the snap share last week that we saw um, and the box score of Tyrell Dodson. It's, 
I'm not 100% sold. And maybe that's just me. I think the upside's there, but I just don't trust the Chargers offense again. And and it's just, they've they've been pretty poor to the linebacker anyway. And so this just adds in and just seems like a, a pretty poor situation to maybe avoid for sure. Yeah, below average matchup for for linebacker production. And and I got Terrell Bernard, uh, LB23. I think he'll be back around that 100% snap roll. But Ty- Tyrell Dodson, I, I know he had the big week, whatever it was. He, he led the team in tackles and had the half sack in there. But only 51% of the snaps, right? So I think yeah. sometimes people look at the box score, think that these guys are playing 100%, maybe put them into their lineups. But be careful with you know chasing that production and, and make sure you're following the snaps there. So I'm with you, uh, Tyrell Dodson, outside of that, that kind of LB4 range for me um just because 51% if it stays around that range which for the most part it's been in that range you just don't want to trust it so yeah, yeah. um yeah starting uh Jordan Poyer and Teron Johnson mm-hmm. I really like as well um the corner there for the Bills uh, yeah he's he's a he's high up on my corner rankings and and the Bills are or the Chargers are giving up the fourth most tackles per game to the cornerback position but we'll see how that goes with Easton Stick but I like Teron Johnson either way um <clears throat> yeah I think that actually makes a lot especially if Keenan Allen's uh, out. I don't see anybody, you know, I don't know if Easton Stick's going to spread the field. He might look across, uh, especially in that Taron Johnson, who I've been a pretty big fan of as far as the corner leagues uh, quite a bit. Yeah, he's he's been great. Um, how about on the Chargers side of things? Anybody here that, that stands out to you that, that you'd uh, want to focus on? Yeah, um, you know, I'm definitely going to look at one, if not both of the linebackers between Kendricks and Kenneth Murray, love the matchup. Uh, even going into last week, I was, I was higher on Kendricks than Murray. The snaps didn't necessarily align with that, but I was, ex- I was personally really excited to see that the efficiency out of Kendricks. And and now with this game, something tells me that the chargers aren't going to have the ball at, at all. Hardly. I think that <laughs> it's going to be the bills on, on offense, the majority. And I think we could see double digit tackles out of really out of both of them. Nice. Yeah. I like that call. Um, bill's given up the most tackles per game to the linebacker position. Kendricks definitely has been the more efficient tackler, like you said. Um, so that's been really nice to see. And, and, uh, Kenneth Mariano, we left last game and then kind of came back in. So that's why his snaps weren't at that hundred percent range, but I think both guys are playing enough. And especially in this matchup that we can definitely take advantage of, uh, utilizing those guys in lineups. Um, fun, fun little that, fact about Eric Kendricks. Yeah, He's, it. uh, He's played exactly 56 snaps in uh, four of the last five games. So uh, oh. if you're looking for a consistent <laughs> snap total, that's a, there's a pretty good projection for you, a projection tool, if you want to uh, forecast that. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind that. Pencil him in for 56. And uh, yeah, hope we could keep that 14% tackle efficiency. Should be pretty decent. Maybe he adds in a big play in there. That'd be pretty good. I like it. So, yeah, other than that, I mean, defensive line, it's a tougher matchup for sure for, yeah. for Khalil Mack um, going against Deion Dawkins and going against Josh Allen, who Josh Allen has, I believe he is the best quarterback in the league as far as pressure to sack conversion rate goes. Um, so he's been difficult to kind of take down. So Khalil Mack, he's been so good this year that, you know, he's more on the low end of LB or edge one range for me. But mm-hmm. so I, I feel like I'm still starting him for the most part, but I'm not excited about it, basically. Um, and, and the same thing with Tuli Tui Polo, too. Yeah, exactly. If if the match, like the Deion Dawkins one, uh, especially, and if they moved him back and forth, which the Chargers just don't do a lot of, they don't move him around the defensive line enough to get a, an ideal matchup, at least historically. And so it, you have to just go on that one-on-one and what Dawkins has allowed, one sack on the season. So yeah, 
not looking not looking great <laughs> yeah don't love it um all right let's go to the indianapolis colts and the atlanta falcons so start i'll start this one with the let's start on the atlanta side of things um uh the colts are i've been a nice matchup for for opposing linebackers right giving up the fourth most tackles per game to the position we did get nate landman back uh in week 15 which was nice and he mm-hmm. outproduced Caden Ellis once again. Um, so Nate Landman not playing as many snaps as uh, as Caden Ellis, obviously. But Caden Ellis has just been incredibly inefficient. Meanwhile, Nate Landman, uh, where do I have it? I put his uh, tackle. It's 14.2% tackle efficiency. So uh, it's 21st in the league. Caden Ellis is 70th um, in, in tackle efficiency at 10.6%. So that's well below average. So there's definitely some risk there with starting Nate Landman just in that he might not play 100% of snaps, or he's more than likely not playing 100% of snaps, right? He's going to more than likely be under that 90% range, hover around 80%, I would think. So there's risk there, but again, it's another one of those ones similar to Eric Hendricks, right? It's where it's a nice matchup. It's he, He's been efficient, so you can plug him in and 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 put him in there i would i have him ahead of caden ellis in the rankings this week um yeah. by by a bit here i have uh, landman as lb28 and i have caden ellis as lb38 yeah i've uh landman just just in general i mean when you look at a colts team that's going to run the ball we have to assume if Pittman's out and Zach Moss. I don't know how effectively they're going to run the ball, but uh, go piggybacking off of the tackle efficiency you were talking about. If you just look at run play tackle efficiency, uh, Landman's at around 22%, uh, contrary to Caden Ellis's 14%. So, I mean, even when what we expect Landman to do is play predominantly, you know, first and second downs, see the majority of those run plays, he's been extremely effective in in shutting those down. So I think we'll see a good floor just on run play tackling alone from Landman and hope that, you know, the the Colts offense can do enough to to see substantial snaps. Yeah, I'm with you. I, th- I think Jonathan Taylor was a full participant in practice this week as well. So good. he should be back in there and that that should definitely help as well, yep. right? For as far as the, the linebacker tackle opportunities go. Um but yeah, other than that, for for Atlanta, I mean, the only other note I have really is that Richie Grant has been seemingly officially benched here, right? I think he played 11% of snaps uh, in week 15. This has been another one of those ones that we've been kind of monitoring recently and expected it to happen, and, and it did. Um, DeMarco Hellams was the next man up uh, for the uh, Atlanta Falcons, but... I'm not like in love with with trying to start DeMarco Hellams, really. Um, Jesse Bates obviously being the main one, but... Um, yeah. Anybody else on the, on the Falcons for you? No, there's not. <laughs> not at all. Not this week, right? It's just no, not, no. Uh, yeah, it's just not a great. I mean, like Calais Campbell was solid uh, last week as far as tackles go, mm-hmm. and 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 you know David Onyemata has been good as far as defensive tackles, but that that's you know if you're starting those guys, you probably just keep rolling with them. They're they're the kind of at DT three, maybe DT two on the low end side of things, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think not we've been stuff. waiting for, uh, you know, Arnold Ebiketti to be something or someone, and that's never turned in. I, you know what? I guess uh, goes without saying we're starting Jesse Bates everywhere. Yeah, yeah so, Jesse Bates has been great. Um, yeah, that that is the Falcons. Um, so let's talk about the <laughs> Indianapolis Colts. Uh, 
quickly as well. This is another pretty straightforward team. Um, I mean, Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed, both decent starting options here. Um, Zaire Franklin, obviously the full-time 100% snap. EJ Speed is right there as well. So feel comfortable starting those guys. I, I have Zaire Franklin ahead of EJ Speed. I know EJ Speed has outproduced him a, a few weeks here, but I, I mean, I don't know that I, I would feel comfortable starting Speed over Zaire if you're one of those people that has both. Um, if you do, you could start both of them maybe. Um, it's not... Again, an amazing matchup. Falcons giving up the 12th most tackles per game to the position, but um, I like both guys uh, enough that they're definitely startable. Same thing with at safety, Julian Blackman, corner easily, Kenny Moore, um, DeForest Buckner, also awesome. Um, so really, it, it comes down to, I think, Grover Stewart is the question mark for me, like a D, in DT required mm-hmm. leagues. Um, it's a nice matchup against Atlanta, who are giving up the most tackles per game to the defensive line position. So this could be a nice matchup for Grover Stewart, who's missed some time, hasn't been you know the tackle monster that we've seen in, in recent years. So could be a nice matchup for him to kind of reestablish himself as a, a nice tackle-heavy DT um, for those types of leagues if you're looking for somebody to kind of stream this week if you're in that kind of scenario. But um, yeah, that is the Indianapolis Colts for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I love. Don't get me wrong. I've been enamored with uh, Samson Ebicam as far as sure. how he's produced, but against Atlanta, they, there's just there's not enough passing upside for him to even be considered someone that I'm going to look at for a sack upside. Yeah, or could he it's, pay? Just, it's hard, right? Yeah, it's hard to bank on them giving enough pass rush opportunities. I'm sure somebody will get a sack on Taylor Heineke in there, but it's one of those it's one of those groups where you kind of play Russian roulette with them each week, right? right? There's Ode Ingbo and Pay and, and Ebucam. Guessing which one it's going to be, I don't really feel like playing that game here in week 16. <laughs> no, no, not at all. All right. So let's go to uh, the Green Bay Packers and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, where do you want to start with these two guys? Let's start with the, you know, I'd say the low-hanging fruit is that Devondre Campbell is pretty much seemingly worked his way, yeah. not worked his way out, but he's just, he's he's too banged up. And he's, you know, he's mispracticed again, it, trending in the, it just everything's trending in the wrong direction. And a neck injury is something to pay attention to. I'm not questioning that. And and Isaiah McDuffie, when filling in, mm-hmm. has actually filled in decently well. I mean, not one that I'm going to start over some of the names, of course, that we've talked about, but decently comfortable. I, I don't love Carolina. Um, as far as the matchup, though, I mean, when you talk about a bad matchup, it's about as bad as it gets. So then it's a question of is how far down do we want to move Quay Walker and he being banged up week in and week yeah. out? Is that a gamble? And that's a scary gamble because we know the upside, but we also know the floor, which is not playing or missing time. Yeah, but the the, the Green Bay linebacker core kind of scares me this week. Like, yeah. like you said, um, Devondre Campbell, not sure what's going on there. Obviously, the injuries, he, he had sent out a tweet that he's not playing through injuries anymore. Didn't practice today, so yeah, seems like he's going to be unlikely this week. So we may see some Isaiah McDuffie, but yeah, Quay Walker is definitely a risk for me. I, I have him as LB30. I, I know yeah. he's a, you know, a 100% snap guy, and he's had his big games in the past. But like you said, he's also had those low floor games and we've seen him leave games and, and not be healthy. So there's risk that comes with guys like Quay Walker, Isaiah McDuffie this week. Um, and like you said, Carolina giving up the 29th most tackles to linebacker position. So uh, that's third fewest. It, it's just, uh, yeah, not not a great situation there um, to bank on this week. So hopefully looking elsewhere for the linebacker position. Um, anybody else from Green Bay for you? 
I mean, you know, Rashawn Gary is always going to be yeah. a, a person who I'm going to be excited to, you know, watch. I don't know if I'm always going to be excited to play. And that's, you know, yeah. this, again, this matchup isn't one. And I, I'm intrigued to see, and it's not anything that we're going to start, but going forward, Lucas Van Ness started to eat into Preston Smith's snaps mm-hmm. quite a bit more. And I see those two bad. And Van Ness had a, a hell of a play against Tristan Wirfs last week. So, I mean, yeah. we see the skill set on display, but neither one that I'm going to start is, is there enough upside for Rashawn Gary to be like a, I don't want to use the word must start because it's hard not to, when you see those pass rush grades and the metrics, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I was, I, I love Rashawn Gary. I really like him as, as a player. I guess I'm worried about his IDP production, right? So mm-hmm. I the matchup against the Giants, I, I was going on and on about how I love that matchup, going okay, against yeah. Tommy DeVito as well. Like this was going to be a huge week for him. He's a must start. Does nothing, right? Like, again, it's another good matchup here against Carolina who allow a ton of pressure. Bryce Young does take his sacks. So there's always potential there. So he's always in that starting range for me. But he's like edge 24 for me this week, right? So it just depends on who else I have um, ahead of him and who else I have as another option that I just trust a little bit more. And I feel like Rashawn Gary's had his big games this week, this year, but they've been on those lower snap share totals early in the year when he, we, we knew we couldn't trust the, the snaps in, in, in putting him in lineups. So I think he kind of has to earn that that starting spot back, that, that must-start um, opportunity because – yeah, the production's been down, but definitely believe in him as a player. And when you do that, you know the production's going to come at some point. But just feel like you got to see it first uh, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the last one I just want to kind of uh, bounce you know off you real quick is with with the increased production or well increased snap for Jonathan Owens, which obviously when Savage went out, wasn't sure if Jonathan Owens was going to get the playing time. Still, when everybody was returning, he stayed at a hundred percent. His efficiency when he was with the Houston was. I don't want to say unparalleled, but it was it was ridiculous. It led to a, an amazing contract. But is there enough snaps you think to be had this week against Carolina that he's even going to be sneakily uh, startable? I know he's on the fringe for me. He's safety twenty seven this weekend. That's the exact same thought process I had. I just don't know how much I trust the Carolina offense. It's been particularly bad lately. Um, I mean, we saw that game against Atlanta. It was nice that they won, but whatever it was, nine to seven, uh, it was just really, really hard to watch. So, um, yeah, safety 27 for me. I mean, Carolina on paper, again, eighth most tackles per game to the safety position. So there's potential there. If you if you have him, you don't have other great options, you could put him in lineups. But um, just being wary of uh, uh, wary of the, the Carolina offense uh, is, is my biggest concern, really. Yeah. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums up that uh, that entire defense as a whole when, when you're going <laughs> yeah. against Carolina. Yeah, I think so as well. So, um yeah, and then looking on the Carolina defense, I mean, mm-hmm. names that you trust here, Frankie Louvu, Derek Brown. Where are you at with Brian Burns? Do you, do you feel okay about uh, Brian Burns as a, a starting option um, this week against Green Bay, who been decent um, pass blocking unit? They they have been. That's the they, I always have a hard time not being confident in Brian Burns, just from a, a standpoint of such dominance. And then when you have Derek Brown next to you, which I was, you know, I was banging the drum for Derek Brown last week. I thought that was the the best matchup defensive tackle. You know, it was my DT one, and and that was kind of a little bit of a letdown. And so this will be the week, I'm sure, against Green Bay team that I wouldn't <laughs> expect it to yield that many against the defense. But they are top 10, so it's not like Derek Brown's a terrible option. 
but the, the matchup isn't ideal, but the skill set is hard for me to ever overlook with Brian Burns. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I have him as edge 16 this week. Um, I'm for, that means for the most part, I'm, I'm starting him in most leagues here and yeah, it's just, those are the guys, right? Like I don't really yeah. even love the safeties um, for, for Carolina Von Bell's fine. Um, you know, again, you might not have better options there, but other than that, it's it's really those three: Frankie Louvu, Brian Burns, Derek Brown that that I trust the most. And even for Frankie Louvu, mm-hmm. Green Bay giving up the second fewest tackles per game to the linebacker position, so he he's on the low end of starting for me. Yeah, and I don't trust. You know, I mean, he's always you're looking for the splash play with with Louvu, and over the past couple of weeks, he hasn't even been really in uh, real blitz happy. At least they haven't been blitz happy with him by comparison yeah. to what it's been. So that lowers my uh, expectations of Luvu. I still like the player. I love the player. Just don't yep. love the particular matchup. Yep. I'm with you. Yeah. Really fun player. Um, all right. Let's wrap that one up. Let's go to the Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans. And let's start with the Browns um, here. As, as I write the timestamp before I forget, um, let's start the, with the Browns um, and start with their linebackers, which are always interesting every week there's always some kind of uh shake up there as far as the usage goes but jok jeremiah wusukormo has been consistently productive over the past few weeks right um the there's but there is that risk with him very similar to nate landman as well where he's not gonna play in every down role which limits obviously his opportunities but over the past four weeks, averaged 89% of snaps. He's got 22 tackles, two sacks, and an interception over that span. Um, he hasn't been the most efficient tackler. So, again, that part is different than Nate Landman. Um, he, he's at 12.1% tackle efficiency. That is below average, which is to be expected in, in a very man-heavy defense like this. But he's found ways to make big plays and, and keep you know coming up with some decent IDP production. So, I have him just outside that top 30 um, for me this week, again, just because he's not playing in every down role and, and the tackle efficiency. So it does become a bit harder to bank on the, the big plays, but I really like him. And I, I like the matchup against Houston, giving up the 10th most tackles per game to the linebacker position. Um, now we'll see if CJ Stroud is going to play or if it's going right. to be a case Keenum again. Right. But um, yeah, I, I'm, warming up to jok after really trying to avoid this this cleveland linebacker group for the most part yeah i've i've been so optimistic when i saw that first glimpse where he he got above the 80 percent threshold for multiple games and i just i didn't want to get let down and then you see you know i think it was against the rams in week 13 and he had a less than stellar production day and i thought oh boy here here it comes and then you know with jok the one thing that i always am just enamored by is that especially if you have scoring with tackle for loss in in your league he is a monster is what second in the league amongst linebackers i mean and the only person ahead of him is Danelle hunter so it's not like it's it's just a a one-off random stat this is a a guy who's muddled into the mix of sandwich between Danelle hunter and tj watt in that category and it's just it's what six over the last four games so i i do temper my excitement with jok i'm not gonna i have a hard time ever putting them too too high right but i want to because i i've been such a fan of his and and like you said no cj stroud does uh bring that depth of target and uh, in probably quite a bit with case keenum's arm so uh, i'm i'm right there with you 
Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a fun player, really fast, great at getting in the backfield. And, and that's been the excitement for him. It's just been the snap share, right? And that that's yep. always been the concern. So um, other than that, I mean, Cleveland, similar to Pittsburgh here with the, with their safeties, um, Grant Delpit on IR, Juan Thornhill's missed a few games now. Um, DeAnthony Bell got injured last game. They are super thin at safety. So, I mean, again, for those deeper leagues, Ronnie Hickman could be the last man standing here if you're you're desperate for uh, 100% snap safety. Um, in those deep leagues, you could look at Ronnie Hickman. It's, again, not the most amazing matchup, 21st most tackles to the safety position. But, again, sometimes all we're looking for is a warm body to put into a lineup if we're desperate. So just somebody to keep in mind there um corners have been fine miles garrett versus laramie tunsil is the other one uh, the other matchup here to highlight i think um garrett no sacks uh in four straight games unfortunately he did have one on a two-point conversion which unfortunately doesn't count for um <laughs> idp purposes but uh miles garrett's still the same miles garrett that that we know and love as far as pass rush metrics and everything like that goes just the pure dominance from miles garrett so We'll see. I, I mean, it, it's a tough matchup against Tunsil, but I don't think you can bench Miles Garrett. I don't think you panic over four straight games without a sack. He's just, you look at the underlying metrics, there's nothing of concern there for him. So he, you just keep rolling him out there as a must-start player every week. Yeah, if you, the 11 pressures, you have to go back to week 10 of 2021 to see a person who had more pressures without a sack, and that was uh, as Max Crosby against my Chiefs then, and I was shocked when I saw that he didn't have a sack in that game because I, I remember that game and it was he was in the backfield the entire time, which is what we'll see with Miles Garrett. He'll be in the backfield the entire time. And if he gets one, they did something interesting this past week, though, is they bounced. He actually played um, on the left side and the right, almost a 50-50 split. And I was listening to Miko Ryan's talk, and that was one er major area of concern with him is that they don't know they can game plan for a specific side if they know he's staying on one area but him bouncing back and forth is posing somehow more of a threat with miles garrett than just being miles garrett but interesting of note didn't translate to sacks of course but it did translate to 11 pressures yeah he's uh he's been pretty amazing and yeah when they move him around the line like that he's just super dangerous to working against guards and and yeah i mean the right tackle for houston is is charlie heck i think so it's a pretty big drop off there from from laramie tunsil um and then especially if it's not cj stroud in the backfield and it is case keenum i mean not right, the most buddy. mobile quarterback right it's uh yeah we're, we're starting miles garrett essentially yeah exactly uh, <laughs> anybody else from cleveland for you no, no, I think no. we've touched on everybody for sure. Yeah. Um, how about on the Texan side of things? Uh, for this one, we'll see if Blake Cashman is back or not, mm -hmm. but he's still dealing with that hamstring injury. If he's out again, Denzel Perriman and Christian Harris have both pr pretty safe starts here. I mean, they're not exactly 100%, but they're playing enough that I think you could start these guys in lineups, and especially in a nice matchup here against the Browns, who are giving up the second most tackles per game uh, to the linebacker position. But again, you want to keep an eye out on the practice reports. If Blake Cashman is healthy and he's, it looks like he's going to play, that definitely muddies the waters a little bit. And in that case, I, I don't know. I'd have a hard time starting any of them because we've seen them yep ease guys in we've seen them all be you know rotational so it might not be the mat the the week to mess with them if blake cashman is back this week no if i had a drop uh for the houston texans linebacker it would be the carousel uh music <laughs> yeah. because that's essentially what i've seen and 
I am, you know, I'm optimistic with Christian Harris in that last yeah. year he was, I mean, it's so bad and so yeah. many missed tackles. And to see him actually have a couple games now in a row without one, it's it's opportunistic and optimistic that maybe he just won't get benched middle of the game after he gives up, you know, misses three tackles in a row. And, and that was a concern. I mean, it really sadly was. That was yeah. always one of my biggest concerns with Christian Harris. Yeah, the rookie year was was really poor. Um, and yeah, it's nice to see that. I mean, D'Amico Ryan's kind of out of necessity because they've had so many injuries kind of going that's back true. to him here. But um, he's, you know, he's doing better with his opportunities. And that's all we can really ask for here for, for IDP purposes. But um, other than that, for the Texans, uh, so we did talk about Jonathan Grenard last week. Mm -hmm. He's been great at kind of taking advantage of these great matchups for him and and we, we we highlighted him last week ended up with two and a half sacks which was definitely more than than you'd expect from a guy like that but again decent matchup here against um jerron christian I, I believe is the the playing left tackle now for cleveland they're banged up at the position as well you got joe flacco back there so we'll see i i like jonathan greenard i, I think i have him as edge 14 this week and there there could be a nice potential tackle floor as well because the browns are giving up the second most tackles to the defensive line position so um bullish about i guess jonathan greenard again this week yeah yeah he, i didn't think he, i really never thought he got enough recognition and, and and i've always well not always just this year had been hyping up you know the the upside of will anderson and what he means and and i keep forgetting to emphasize just how important jonathan greenard has been and, and you're right that that matchup against uh garen christian who's he's hurt as well or limited today a lot of vet relief but shoulder injury it just uh, advantageous. I feel like every team has uh, every player we're going to talk about at least in some point <laughs> matchup wise hurt, but it is of note. You know, you have to look at those benefits to take advantage of. Yeah, yeah, you really do. And we talk about it every show. Like we're we're wet, we we record on a Wednesday, and Wednesdays like every single player is questionable, basically yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> that we're talking about. So it's hard to kind of you know gleam how much we should be trusting the injury report. But it is definitely you have to keep an eye on it throughout the week and um and 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 see who's going to be available and who's not. And there could be even even better matchup for Jonathan Grenard if uh, they have to roll out another like a third string tackle um, out mm -hmm. there. So. Anybody else from uh, Houston for you? No, I've, I've been a little more impressed with Jalen Petrie over the last couple of weeks, sure. but his inconsistency has still led me to not, you know, feel warm and fuzzy with, with his upside, or at least what we would expect from previous years. I guess last yeah, week was pretty poor, but prior to that. Yeah, he he set uh, expectations very high uh, with that rookie season, whatever it was, one hundred and. 40 tackles or something like that, uh, which again, we knew it was going to come down, but it's definitely come down to quite a bit here this season. Um, and obviously he's missed time as well with injury, but yeah, mm -hmm. uh, he's on the low end of a potential starter this, this week. It's just like any other safety really, right? That's kind of yeah. what we've got from him um, for the most part. So let's go to the Detroit lions and the Minnesota Vikings. Who do you want to start with over here? You know, I want to get the uh, the sadness out of the way, and I'm going to start on the Minnesota Vikings side <laughs> oh, yeah. because, yeah, I know. I think we know where we're going to go is the, yeah. the time maybe and the sun has set on who at the beginning of the season I was uh, – he's probably my most rostered player in nice. IDP is uh, Ivan Pace. And 
the the 21-day window for Jordan Hicks has been open. Uh, they've announced, they've said they want him in. He's the heart and soul, I guess, is what some of the words were of the defense, which is true. And they're, you know, this is a, a really big game in the division. And I, as much as I've been paced over the last couple of weeks, as my opinion has earned his mm-hmm. chops and the ability to play, they just don't have room for two linebackers in that defense. And if Jordan Hicks is healthy, he's going to take the snaps. Yeah, it's unfortunate, right? And yeah, it does seem like Jordan Hicks is going to play this week. So yeah, I'll wait till the official word to, to change the rankings around. But I had Ivan Pace in there at LB12 and, and you know, just That's remaining great. hopeful. And then I, I did. I saw it today and it said Jordan Hicks likely to play. So that just kills it, right? You, you don't want to start Ivan Pace um, this week. It's just I know he's been excellent lately. But, uh, there, yeah, there, he could very well end up being end up with like 20% of the snaps, which is we, we can't be trusting that um, this week. So avoid uh, pace this week. I mean, Hicks, yeah, you might be able to start him. But again, we'll see. Like, we'll see if they maybe there's always the potential that they could ease him in as well. Right. So he's not going to immediately step into LB 12 or I had Ivan pace either. I'd, I'd probably have him a little bit lower mm-hmm. this week too. So um, definitely have to be aware of that. Um I do like the safeties for Minnesota. I'd be curious where, yeah. you, where you got these guys because another nice matchup here, the Lions giving up the fifth most tackles per game to the safety position. Um, who do you like uh, best, I guess, from this <laughs> this trio of Viking safeties? That's the, the tricky one because I feel like each given week, it bounces from yeah. one week it's Cameron Bynum and then Harrison Smith has a smash play or a splash play, I guess is the right word to, uh, to use. I, me... It's Cameron Bynum. I, I just feel like the the what I'm looking at the safeties. I it's hard to predict, especially when you run three safety sets against a Detroit team that does have explosive playmakers and and, and will air the ball out. And golf is, you know, we saw last week. He looked he had one maybe one of the best games of his career. And they can I say they they can be prone to turnovers at time. That's that's just the nature of high passing volume games, but I'll go with a solid tackle floor and uh, go with Cameron Bynum. And where's your ranking for those three? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I have Bynum ahead. Um, just plays the more like traditional safety role. So I think he's the one mm-hmm. to probably take advantage of this matchup a little bit more um, when you look at tackles to the safety position. But I love Josh Metellus. I, I He's right behind um, Cameron Bynum for me. Um, just been so consistent, so effective as, as an IDP. Lines up all around the line of scrimmage as well. Um, delivers tackles, big plays at a strong rate, um, playing 100% of the snaps as well, and lining up in the slot, the box, and the defensive line while hardly ever playing deep safety. To me, like he's the ideal IDP archetype when we're looking at the safety position because mm-hmm. we want them to play like linebackers almost um, and try to get that cheat code. And he's well on track to hit over 100 total tackles on the season. I think he has 93 right now. So um, he's got two and a half sacks in there, 10 QB hits, four forced fumbles, an interception. I, I love Josh Metellus. He, to me, is like a locked-in IDP starter every single week. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think that all three – theoretically any given week. I mean, Harrison Smith is probably the odd man out and, and he's still capable of having that DB three, not capable of higher, of course, but just a nice consistent, you're you're hard pressed to find a team that can run three safeties out and all three are IDP relevant where there's not just one off in a wasteland by themselves. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's really it's really been crazy to see. And yeah, earlier in the year, I, I have like the, the top 12 IDPs for each position in, in our scoring going across the bottom here. And there was a period for a few weeks where all three of them were inside the top 12, yeah. um, just, just like unreal to see. So yeah, Harrison Smith's fallen out of that range right now. But um, yeah, they still, again, all solid options here. Um, how about on the defensive line? Because Daniil Hunter obviously has been amazing. DJ Wanham has been really productive yeah. lately as well. Like these guys are playing a ton of snaps. So they've just been getting a ton of production as, as a result too. And, and, you know, decent pass rush metrics, at least for, for Daniel Hunter, but tougher matchup this week against the lions. They get um, Penny Sewell and yep. Taylor Decker uh, as the tackles there. And Jared Goff has done a nice job at avoiding sacks. So how, how comfortable are you, I guess, with, I mean, Daniel Hunter, I feel like we're starting. Where, where are you at with DJ Wanham, I guess? That's um, would be a better it, question. That's it. it you said the <laughs> hit the nail on the head. It, Detroit is one of my, I hate to use the word avoid, but it's proceed with caution offensive yeah. lines to attack just because they they do a really good job of making sure that golf is upright. And Penny Sewell, more than anybody, is that's almost like the full avoid side. You just don't know exactly how they're going to line them up. You assume consistent between the way they've been, but yeah, I, I think that is one of the, one of the more difficult matchups uh, week in and week out the old, the old Penny Sewell uh, watch your uh, cause what's I'm trying to think the last real productive day that someone had directly against him. And I, I don't know if I would feel comfortable with trying to rely on that. Yeah, because I think even the big Rashawn Gary game on Thanksgiving, they they uh -huh. they lined him up on the other side. They they had him avoiding Penny Sewell, right? So, uh -huh. yeah, he's not a good matchup. He's really not. So yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on this week. Temper expectations for DJ Wanham, who, to his credit, again been really solid. But I think I'm as like edge thirty four this week. Um, the, the the nice thing for him is the amount of snaps that he's playing. Um, there, there's the production for for tackles and the Lions are giving up a, a quite a few tackles to the defensive line position. So there's that. Um, anybody else from Minnesota for you? I don't think so. I think we've pretty much yeah. uh, touched on everybody. I mean, maybe Jordan Hicks will hear this and say, "We'll give you one more Ivan Pace week." But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Please, Jordan, Please, please. Oh. <laughs> and then there's Jordan Hicks managers who are desperate for him to come back. <laughs> I didn't know exactly. Yeah. Which is not uh, me. I have zero Jordan yeah, Hicks. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh well. Oh well. Let's. <laughs> what the Detroit survive? side? It may, yeah. You know, there's. We talk about the safety in plethora for Minnesota that we want to start, and I think we found that there was a time when there was a few with Detroit, notably uh, Brian Branch, who I was extremely excited for, especially. Week one, I mean, hell, week one against my Chiefs was okay. evident. That started off, and I thought, here, okay, Brian Branch, ideal positioning for us from an IDP standpoint. Uh, Dan Campbell utilized him in so many effective ways. And now what we've seen is he's pretty much a two down, 1.9 down guy. Yeah, the, they've over the past two weeks have mm -hmm. limited him to being on the field only when the opposing offense is an 11 personnel. And, and we talked about it last week and we thought maybe it was a one time thing because we hadn't seen that previously. But now two weeks in a row, it, it, it becomes a trend. Right. And that's where we start to get concerned. So he played 72 um, percent of snaps uh, this past week, which was ex the exact amount of snaps that um, the I can't remember who they played now, Detroit, um, uh, Denver. Denver, yes, that Denver was in 11 personnel. So this week, they're going up against Minnesota. 
on the season, Minnesota averaging just 64% of their offensive snaps out of 11 personnel, right? So that's not enough snaps um, if we're going to assume that the, the trend continues here to be trusting Brian Branch. So he's an avoid for me this week. I am not uh, putting Brian Branch in my lineups if I can afford to. Yep. Nope. Me either. It hurts because I really like him, but yeah. it, you, you have to trust the uh, the the floor is lava with the snap share, unfortunately. Yeah, you really do. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, Detroit, they're, they're a strange team. Alex Anzalone, probably God. the only linebacker I trust there, as weird as that God. is. Um, I don't really love the safeties this week. I know if Fatu Malafonwu had a big game and, you know, he, he could be a new shiny piece. But again, yeah. not trusting that uh, in the playoffs here. So really, it's Aiden Hutchinson for me. Mm-hmm. And Alex Anzalone. Um, that is yeah. the Detroit Lions that I'm trusting. Yeah. I don't know about you. No, no, you unfortunately hit the two. Uh, <laughs> well, one of the two. Aiden Hutchinson for sure uh, is not unfortunate. Al- Alex right. Anzalone right. being out there is is unfortunate for yeah. mostly for the Jack Campbell fans out there that saw him have this, you know, just gradient increase week over week of production and quality playing time. But oh well. It's maybe maybe next year we'll we'll get past the Alex Anzalone um, <laughs> situation. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, it's uh, I'm not optimistic about it, unfortunately, because we've seen it before. But um, yeah, let's go to the next game on the list here: Washington Commanders at the New York Jets. And let's start with uh, yeah, let's start with the Washington IDPs. And um, I mean, we know Cody Barton's the full time guy there, but last mm-hmm. week we saw Kaliki Hudson um, be the LB two. Uh, for them. So he stepped into essentially a starting role there with Jamin Davis done for the year. It's not an every down role. Um, so that again is one thing to kind of keep in mind. He he had a really productive game in week 15 with I think 14 total tackles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's harder to repeat that production. I think this week uh, going against the jets who uh, 30th uh, most tackles per game to the linebacker position. So 14.7 per game. Um, that number has actually been even lower in recent weeks, uh, just th- 13.3 tackles per game of the, over the last three. So, for me, Hudson, really just a deeper league option this week going against the Jets. Again, he's not an every-down player, so um, yeah, not expecting him to repeat his his big day here. I don't know. Any more optimistic about Hudson? No. No, unfortunately. Like I said, it's trusting anybody against the Jets' offense is playing with fire. <laughs> it is, and uh, yeah, feeling the same way a little bit. I mean, Cameron Curl, like I still love Cameron Curl. He's been excellent again this season, basically been a top 10 safety uh, for IDP purposes this year. Love the alignments, love the, you know, the production mm. all, all season long, really. But again, the Jets, that offense, they're giving up the fewest tackles per game to the safety position as well, right? So you look at Cameron Curl, he's failed to crack over five total tackles in each of the past three games, which yeah. he had only failed to do once over the first 11 games of the year. Um Again, I like the the alignments and overall efficiency for the year for Cameron Curl. So he keeps he stays in like starter range for me, but I think tempering expectations for Cameron Curl again this week going against the Jets. Right? Did you see the back and forth that he had with one of the fans uh, on no. Twitter? He, uh, he there was a video that someone posted of him being out of alignment, and they said something to the effect of, "Ah, here's that bum Cameron Curl uh, oh. out of a li- out of position again," and he fired back and said. You know what do you know, bro? You don't know what uh, you don't know what the defensive play call was, and his the, the fans' response was was clearly you didn't either. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it was the best response oh, ever. Uh, but, wow, yeah. 
you know what? That's all right. Just be it, stay in the box and uh, give yeah. us the IBP upside. And we'll <laughs> you. Wow. That's yeah, that's crazy. Uh, that's great. But yeah, other than that for Washington, I mean, I like their corners, but not as much this week. Benjamin St. Juice and Kendall Fuller again. It's the Jets. Um, maybe it's good for Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, right? So yeah. Deron Payne, he had two sacks last week, which was his season total coming into last week. Um, so now he's got four. Uh, right. This is a, he had 11 and a half sacks last year, right? And and I, I had a feeling there'd be some regression there and talked about it, but it's been a lot worse than I think I, I expected here. Decent matchup, at least against the Jets. He, he's been a really good tackler as well. So that's kept him as a, as a strong IDP, but just haven't, hasn't had that sack upside outside of last week. So him and Jonathan Allen, fine starting options in DT required leagues, but that's pretty much the commanders for me. Where, where are you at with this team? The exact same, the exact same. And who would have thought that losing Montez sweat and chase young was going to be <laughs> just a caught <laughs> nail in the coffin for the rest yeah, of the yeah. defense. What a shock, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's uh they got to have to rebuild there, unfortunately, but um all right, we'll move on, but we do have a quick uh, ad break from our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a skill-based, real money, daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they will go more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to twenty-five times your money on any entry. So, uh, Nate, I, we, they did get the some IDP props up there for me this week. Um, Eric Kendricks is on the board. And his line is set at eight tackles. So I mm. am taking more than eight tackles for Eric Kendricks. It's it's going to be close, I think. But again, we talked about it. You know, decent tackle efficiency for Eric Kendricks. Um, more efficient than Kenneth Murray. I think the playing time is going to be fine. Going against the Bills, who give up the most tackles per game to the linebacker position. Um, they've, they've act, Over the last three, they've given up 23.7 um, to the linebacker position and haven't given up fewer than 20 in each of those games. So... If they keep that going, there's definitely going to be opportunity for Eric Hendricks to hit that double-digit ta uh, tackle total and, and definitely clear eight. So I like that one. Um, I didn't really like any of the other IDP <laughs> option ones, so I went with uh, Kyron Williams to go more than 18 and a half uh, receiving yards. Has had at least four targets in each game since returning from injury. Last week kind of had like a crazy stat line of five catches for just three yards. With and and then another weird one the week before where he finished with with negative one yards receiving on like three catches. But it's not <laughs> happening three times in a row. He's had he's also had games of 48, 27, 24, 61, 24 receiving yards as well. So um, I, I think he'll get more than that that 18 and a half here on Thursday. So those are the two that I like. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> At PrizePix, you aren't competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. Go to prizepix.com slash Fantasy. Use code Fantasy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com slash Fantasy. Use code Fantasy for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, Nate, let's go to the next game on the list. It is the Seattle Seahawks at the Tennessee Titans. Uh, where do you want to start with these two teams? You know, let's, let's start with Seattle. Because uh, I don't know if either team has a ton of options that we're really going to be uh, enamored with. If anything, this is a process of elimination. And like we noted Jamal Adams is seemingly uh, going the wrong direction for fantasy managers in terms of playing time and opportunity. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Obviously, uh, a little bit upset that he was. I thought it was because of a knee injury. That's what they announced during the broadcast that he wasn't playing because of the knee injury. But it mm -hmm. seems to have come out that he was a healthy scratch. Um, so he, yes. he went home. <laughs> um, he took his ball. He went home. 
I'd be surprised if he gets into the starting lineup this week. So not uh, trusting Jamal Adams, obviously. So Julian Love, Quandre Diggs are, are the two remaining safeties. Julian Love's been excellent um, when he's given yeah. that, that 100% snap roll. So it's not the best matchup against Tennessee, giving up the second fewest tackles per game to the position. But I do still like Julian Love kind of on the fringes of starting for me this week. But um, I'm going to assume that Jamal Adams doesn't play this week. I, I don't know. Am I am I reading that wrong? Do you think there's a chance he gets back in the lineup here? No, I, I don't think so, at least. If he does, it, color me shocked just because yeah. everything's eluding. Whether there's smoke, there's fire, and everything seems to trend towards something being wrong within that situation. And, and I don't believe that it was entirely the knee, even though again, he's on the practice, you know, injury report today with right. uh, did not practice because of the knee. That's an easy designation when he's pissed off and doesn't want to be on the field. So yeah. Roughly, yeah. So yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's not like he's been an amazing IDP this season either. So we're used to not having Jamal, Jamal Adams in our lineups with all the injuries over the past few years. So we can live without him. Um, other than that, I mean, Devin Witherspoon, another guy he missed last game. He's been he's mm -hmm. been banged up. We don't, I don't know if he'll play this week, but been an excellent corner for IDP purposes. Um, I, I mean, I tell you, I'm shocked that I'm shocked that Tennessee is not more uh, generous to linebackers. And I'm mm -hmm. waiting for that buck to trend or that trend to buck and it be that what I had relied on last year, especially down the stretch, is that every linebacker going against Tennessee immediately right. got about a two to three tackle bump. And I haven't seen that yet this year. And and by that rationale, I'm still starting Bobby Wagner, but it makes me worried about Jordan Brooks. And and we've seen, you know, six plus tackles in back to back, but he has those one off games where if you look at weeks 10 and 11, he had a combined six tackles. And then yeah. the big game against San Francisco, which was the interception and the touchdown. And then you get just mediocre, uh, I would say, production. And the, the expectation of the name recognition is uh, building a little bit too much of a safety net for him, for his managers at least. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I have him as like LB 32 this week. Um, and it's more to do with like his tackle efficiency. But again, he's not not an every down player. It's not a great matchup against Tennessee. So you just got to temper expectations like you could put him in and survive in an LB three role, but he's not one of the top two linebackers, not even close um, to be a top two starting linebacker here um, for me this week. So yeah, not excited about Jordan Brooks and and I know he started the year hot but like you said definitely kind of cooled here recently as well um I do like Boya Mafe this week I, yes. I I really don't trust Tennessee uh offensive line I, I feel like there's always going to be one and maybe it's there's there's nobody else on the on that line for Seattle that I trust is going to see snapshot I think this could be you know Boya Mafe could rival Max Crosby for that 90 plus uh snap share which it is just, you know, such a great, like, booing support system you have if you see it. He was almost, 80, what, 80% last week. And right. I, I think that could be the same. How high are you on Boye Mafe? Yeah, I, I think he's in that that kind of starting range as well. I, I know he hasn't been amazing um, lately. Obviously, started with that that big sack streak, but he's mm -hmm. been fine. I, I I think you you could definitely start him and then use him in a matchup dependent um, spot like this where. The Tennessee tackles, like you said, they, they've been they've been really poor, right? And they're they're giving up a ton of pressure. Um, I mean, we saw Jonathan Grenard just uh, tear them apart last week, and there's definitely opportunity there for Mafe to kind of do the same thing here, going against uh, Dylan Radins, and and then the guy on the other side is even worse. Uh, what was his name? Dillard. Um, oh, Dunk. 
Is it oh, a- Dillard, yeah, I think if Dillard plays, yeah. But Jalen Duncan was the guy that was oh, filling yeah. in for him when he was at, and he, yeah, he's been he's been awful as well. Um, so yeah, there's definitely opportunity there. I think if you're trusting anybody from this Seattle defensive line, yeah, he's probably the one that that I think I trust the most. Yeah, you know it's a bad sign if people can rattle off some offensive line names uh, without <laughs> it being in front when you know the matchups are uh, who they are. I, there was a right. few from, you know, the Falcons over the years and the uh, Giants, et cetera. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's not shocking that we have those lists uh, <laughs> listed. No, not at all. Uh, um, other than that, uh, yeah, let's let's talk about the Tennessee side of things. Um, Aziz Alshair, been amazing this year. Yeah. I, I think definitely startable. This is... Seattle has been the worst matchup for for linebackers as far as the tackles go. Um, They're giving up the fewest tackles per game to the position all season long. So that has me cooler on Aziz Alshir. The thing I think that helps him is that he is the lone every down linebacker there um, by a decent margin. Jack Gibbons playing around that 70% range. So for me, it hurts Jack Gibbons more than it does um, Aziz Alshair, right? So you like Jack Gibbons in really those favorable matchups, but you definitely got to try to avoid him in, in these unfavorable matchups because he's not playing anywhere close to an every down role. So um, yeah, that's kind of the linebackers for me. Um, yeah. And I mean, on I can't, I can't get behind you know, Harold Landry has games. He, sure. he has this, you know, decent production game and then falls off the metrics. Just, I don't know if he's still not a hundred percent or what the case may be, but between him, you know, he was against Seattle, just the matchup's just not superb for me. Um, Danique Watry's had a great week last week, but again, I, I just don't think I can trust with full confidence. Either of these two, uh, defensive ends i wish i could trust and this is what is kevon wallace who i would like to have seen play more uh, towards the box but now we've seen him play deep on i believe it's two weeks in a row now that he's played the majority of the of the snaps uh at free uh, pretty close to it at least yeah 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 i think so and yeah it's just not that the, the- the right scheme for him, right? Like he, yep. he's been, he's been efficient. Like when he was with Arizona, they, they used him in exactly. a way that allowed him to be a really effective IDP, but just haven't got it as much here in Tennessee, but he's, I guess, technically a starter over there. Even if mm-hmm. I don't know that it was hundred percent last week, yeah, 83% last yeah. week, but 73% of those snaps were deep. So that's a high number here and not something that we, we necessarily love for IDP purposes. And then like Elijah Molden, he had the pick six last week. We're not trusting that. Again, this is a guy who did not even crack 50% of snaps. So um, again, for fantasy managers, not chasing production there. Um, other than that, yeah. We'll see I if Jeffrey Simmons plays. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. he will or not, but he's he's the only other one. I think that's uh, uh, obviously a, a must start here in those DT required leagues. Um, yeah. That's the Titans, huh? (laughs) It is the Titans. (laughs) Let's go to the the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and start with Jackson. uh, Start with Tampa Bay. Um, (laughs) We'll start with Tampa Bay. And I mean, Devin White is another one that similar to, I guess, Devondre Campbell, Jamal Adams, just frustrated. We don't know if he's going to play. We don't know if he's on the outs with the team or what the deal is here but last week it came out that he wasn't going to play and it wasn't injury related whatever that means right so we know he's kind of been looking for a new contract um he has been banged up as well so 
I don't know. I, I mean, Devin White has not been a good IDP this year. He's been incredibly ineffective. I think he's still around like a 9% tackle efficiency, which is brutal um, for an every down linebacker. So it's not like we're missing a ton here if Devin White isn't playing. So KJ Britt could potentially be in for, for another start um, this week for those IDP managers looking for a fill-in because um, it is a nice matchup against Jacksonville, giving up the third most mm-hmm. tackles per game to the linebacker position. So love Levante David and KJ Britt, definitely a, a capable option here um, if you need it. Yeah, I saw bits and pieces of them doing a press conference today mentioning that uh, both Britt and Devin White should if split snaps. Now, I don't know if that's just appeasing because Devin White came out and made it abundantly clear, of course, that he's not quitting on the team and he's ready to give it his all and he's a team player and read the other cue cards that say everything positive when you're going into a contract season. You know, you never want to quit on your team if you're looking for the most money, but it's been bad. And even the weeks where we saw the, you know, the pass rush numbers get up, it just, it's, it hasn't translated to anything productive and, and it's hard to sit, but that's where you have to just say, abandon who Devin White has been. And yeah, it's Levante David to the moon though. I do love the matchup for him for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if that's the case, if they're going to be splitting snaps, I mean, I'm not trusting obviously KJ Britt or Devin White then. So right. if that that's the narrative heading into the week, there's no chance that I'm putting those guys in. It is only Levante David. Um, for me, and then obviously Antoine, Antoine Winfield was starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Jamel Dean as as a streaming corner this week against Jacksonville. Um, Jacksonville, again, yielded the second most tackles per game to the cornerback position, um, and Dean really has been one of the most efficient tacklers at the position this season, 9.6%, um, which is, I think, uh, uh, better than Devin White's uh, tackle efficiency. So uh, pretty strong numbers there for a corner. Um, so you like that for, for Jamel Dean. But other than that, not guys that I'm in love with. I, I like Vita Vea. Um, I like Shaq Barrett, but these aren't like must start options for me. <clears throat> no. Yeah. On the Jacksonville side of things, um, I mean, Josh Allen versus Trift- Tristan Wirfs is going to be a tough matchup. Um, Josh Allen, obviously, again, we talk about betting on the talent, betting on, you know, the underlying metrics and guys that we know have been uh, very, very good this year. I'm not betting against Josh Allen. I think I have him as edge 11 this week, but Tristan Wirfs has definitely been one of the better uh, offensive tackles in the league. Baker Mayfield's done a decent job at avoiding sacks. So it's not an amazing matchup for Josh Allen, but he's a tough one to sit for me. Um, So I am leaving him in lineups. Same thing with Foye. Same thing with Devin Lloyd. Um, Anybody else for Jacksonville for you? Not really. If, if I could trust that Tampa can, continue to move the chains and they, they do stay on the ground enough. Um, Rayshon Jenkins at times has mm-hmm. proven that uh, where, you know, slot alignment and or box alignment and everything. Yeah. He, he has those spike weeks, but we see that Tampa is camp. Tampa's an enigma on offense for me. I, I have the hardest time trying to figure out who this team is because we saw against Atlanta that, uh, it made sense, I think that was two weeks ago, where they didn't have Landman and Onyemata, and they decided to actually just you know pl- stay run heavy because it was advantageous. And then last week, it looks like the Baker passing show, which would be great. So yeah, if I could figure it out, I'd feel more comfortable. But yeah. with safety, I think we've all learned it's the volatility is always there. 
Yeah, yeah, and the the, the safeties for Jacksonville were awesome last week. So I, I like I like Rayshon Jenkins. He's he's in the starting range for me as well. Um, Andre Cisco missed last week, so Andrew Wingard filled in. We'll see what happens there. Wingard potentially could be a starter as well, but not. I don't think expecting the same production that we got last week for for Tampa Bay against the Packers. Um, but going against Jacksonville here this week, I just don't love it as much. So I'm with you. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's Tampa Bay. Let's keep it rolling here. Um, and we'll talk about the Arizona Cardinals and the Chicago Bears. Uh, where do you want to start with uh, these two teams? Let's start with a, uh, a fun game of name that player on Arizona uh, <laughs> at the linebacker position. Uh, who will it be? Josh oh. Woods now on IR. Uh, we have no Kazir right. White, of course. Then... Not not that this is a recommendation for a start by any stretch of the imagination by playing this fun, nobody wins game, but is it Chris Barnes? Is it Owen Popo? I mean, is that how you say his last name? I don't even, I haven't seen enough snaps to, to hear it. Close yeah. enough. Yeah. Maybe we'll know after this week when he sure. has 80% of the snaps and has four tackles and the, uh, the, the matchups <laughs> not, I mean, it's just the matchups, not great. The players aren't good. Arizona, in all reality, just, I, I don't know if there's any, I mean, Jalen Thompson and Buda Baker, I'm fine with starting every single, right. you know, pretty much every week. And outside of that, unless you can think of somebody that, uh, that I'm missing, I, uh, I don't have anybody that I'm enamored with. Yeah. I think it's the, I think it's the same guys for me. Um, it's the linebacker potentially if we know who it is, like I had Josh Woods, as or uh, yeah, Josh Woods is LB 33 this week. Like, so I, I didn't even really love him um, coming into this week. Now he's on IR. So Chris Barnes, sure. Slot him into that kind of sure. same range. If you yeah. really want to take a shot, I'm not risking it. it. I think it's Chris Barnes. So if you really are desperate, then you could put him in maybe Owen Papo. Yeah. I mean the rookie, like we've, we haven't really seen a ton of him this year. We've seen more Chris Barnes. So that's the reasoning behind why I think it might be him, but you never know. This is a team looking to the future, right? And Chris Barnes probably not in their long-term plans, whereas they drafted Owen Papo this year. So um, there, there's potential that they give this guy a chance, right? Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, there's always potential, word. I guess. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, if I not, anybody in the uh, semifinals that starts Owen Papo, please uh, let oh, John man. or I know. Uh, I'd love to see it. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love to see it. I, <laughs> Yeah, it would. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it's like a 32 team league or something like that. But uh, right. yeah, <laughs> if you want to get really ballsy, I mean, let yeah, let's see them. If you want to put our own Papo out there and, and get the win, that would be amazing. Um, Here we go. Uh, Chicago side of things. Um, I mean, I'm gonna, pretty easy, right? Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm going to take a big loss on this. I really expected Montez Sweat just to be an absolute zero when he came to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was kind of with you. I, I, I thought he was going to struggle as well. And he's turned it on recently. Um, he's been on fire. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, over the past three games, he's had a pass rush grade. Uh, it's 75, basically, whatever it was with the decimal <laughs> place. But 75, three straight games. Those have been all the best of his entire season, right? When he yeah. came to Chicago, he was leading the league in cleanup pressures. Um, so really just benefiting from the Washington defensive line. So that was the thing for me that I was like, okay, it's a pretty big difference for the Chicago defensive line and the Washington uh, talent that they had over there. So I thought he would struggle as well, but 
to his credit, he's been excellent lately um, and draws a decent matchup here against Paris Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, there I, I have him definitely as a starter this week and I think you just keep riding the, the hot hand here with Montez Sweat. Surprisingly, he's actually made not De- – Marcus Walker is not a starter to me, but he's made him a much more effective pass rusher. And what we've seen is that from a true football standpoint, the Bears are what second or third in the NFL in total defense since they've gotten Montez Sweat. They've they've really revamped the the entire defense as a whole. It's I don't even say what revamped. It's just they've played yeah. exceedingly better. It's it's been a good turnaround. Yeah, it's been nice to see um, that. That's for sure. And they they have some exciting pieces there, at least for IDP purposes, right? Like we like T.J. Edwards. Mm-hmm. Jermaine Edmonds has been has been good recently as well. Jaquan Brisker, obviously a fun player. Kyler Gordon and Tyreek Stevenson at corner. Like these are all guys that were mostly starting in, in IDP leagues. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anybody that you typically start on Chicago that I'm overly concerned about this week. No, no, I'm right there with you. Nice. Let's keep it rolling then. Um, going on to the Dallas Cowboys at the Miami Dolphins. So for this one, let me see. Where do I want to start? Uh, let's start with the – yeah, let's start with Dallas. Um, and we'll start with their linebackers because, again, th- this is another one of those groups that's just fun to try to figure out every week. Uh, we talked about it last week how since week seven they had been alternating who was going to lead their linebacker group in snaps every single week. It was a different player, and it was usually between Demon Clark or, or Marquise Bell. Um, last week was the first time uh, since week seven that we had Demon Clark lead the team in snaps for two consecutive weeks um, and played a pretty decent snap share, 93%, and had a double-digit tackle game against the Bills. This week going against Miami, it's about an average matchup. So, I mean, I'm still not like excited about putting Damone Clark into lineups just because we know what that role is and, and we know it's not going to be 100% or even stay at 93% every single week. And again, Dallas, one of those man heavy defenses that doesn't typically yield strong tackle efficiency. So, I I, I kind of cool on these guys. I don't really have them in that starting range for me. Do, do you feel any differently about the the Dallas linebackers? This no, week? not really. And and I like, you know, Damone Clark's one of those other guys mm-hmm. that I was heavily rostering just because I thought the opportunity would present itself that he would be in a starting role. I didn't expect uh, Van Der Esch to suffer a maybe career-ending injury. That's not right. fair to say. But it was, I liked if, he, if Damone Clark could stay healthy and that neck injury was a little concerning, then I like the upside. I, I'm shocked at the amount of uh, pass rushes that they've sent him on. That's the where I find that mm. it's like uh, for no sacks to have 48 pressure or pass rushes. Sure. And granted, he hasn't done anything with those. He's tr- translated that into eight pressure. So he's not exactly the best pass rusher. Maybe they shouldn't do that <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Maybe that's what we've learned. Is that they, <laughs> they're doing it incorrectly. Um, yeah. But I do. I, they love Marquis Spell, so it wouldn't shock me at all to see yeah. him play more. And so I, I'm right there with you. A little concerning. Deeper, you know, if I have a four linebacker league, Damone Clark's going to be, you yeah. know, you know, it'd be there, but not shorter than than two or three. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Um, yeah, other than that, really like Deron Bland. Obviously, uh, impossible to bench at this point. Um, 
the safeties. We'll see. Like if Malik Hooker right. doesn't play again, then you might feel better about starting like a Donovan Wilson or Jay Ronkers, but it's been very similar to the linebackers, right? Where it's hard to trust these guys on a weekly basis. There's mm-hmm. no consistency there. So that as good as they, they could be at times, not trusting them um, for the most part uh, in, in the fantasy playoffs here. So um, miles, uh, miles, miles, uh, Micah Parsons. Close. Um, yeah, yeah, it's similar to Miles Garrett, though, right? Like, yeah. because Miles Garrett also kind of on that sackless streak, Micah Parsons, I think, uh, a few games in a row here without a sack, but not concerned about Micah Parsons, obviously. Uh, they just, he really got no opportunities last week against Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Buffalo only threw the ball, I think, 18 times or whatever it was. Um, so there was no opportunity for My- Micah Parsons, but I think he'll have some more opportunities here against the the Dolphins. So still, you're just not benching Micah Parsons. Um, but yeah, anybody else from Dallas for you? No, no, I think we've touched on every single one. I, I hate the matchup for against Miami typically, but you're never mm-hmm. not starting Micah Parsons. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like they've yeah been a decent o- offensive line, and and two has done a pretty good job at, at at avoiding tackles. But yeah, or sacks. But yeah, it's just not uh, not the plan- kind of player you ever bench. Um, so on the Miami side of things, uh, man, they. Blew up last week. Uh, Bradley Chubb obviously had the massive game. And all I could think about, because I, I had Jalen Phillips in a league where I, I lost by only a few points. And I, I had Jalen Phillips in that leg, league, and I had really no depth at the edge position because it's such a deep league. And had to start, I think, Darius Smith. And he, he did mm. nothing, obviously. And I just thought, you know, Jalen Phillips, if he was in last week against the Jets, like there, there's he would have easily cleared um a, a double digit points for me and, and would have secured a win. But it is what it is. Uh so Bradley Chubb this week going against uh the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. Um, him and Andrew Van Ginkle, not as great of a matchup as it was last week for them going against the Jets. So they're they're, you know, edge, I think 19 for me, Bradley Chubb. He's been really good this year. So I think he's earned a starting spot. Andrew Van Ginkle's just outside that range, like edge 26, because he's also been pretty solid. I like Christian Wilkins. I like like Zach Sealer in those deeper DT required leagues. Um yeah, I, the rest of the Miami defense I uh, don't love as much. Um, where are you at with with this uh, the IDPs here? The uh, the exact same. A lot of Jalen Phillips in a lot of leagues that I missed and I didn't back it up. Uh, I was I will say the if there's a positive from one week to the next is that it's nice to see David Long uh, take the snap lead if you will on a week yeah. basis away from duke riley not that i thought that was a long-term <laughs> thing but david long has played so good yeah. without jalen phillips in the lineup that i expected i think i feel like i expected more and i don't want to be let down by his production because it's not like he's been um unproductive but it definitely hasn't quite been what we saw in those you know that smaller sample when jalen phillips like when he was missing those games earlier in the season on and off where we got the uh the 10 tackle and then like the nine tackle and the 11 tackle back to back to back. Right. It's, it's been a little less, but maybe there's upside against Dallas. I, I, I don't know. I'm not too overly optimistic. Yeah. I think I'm with you. Um, and then the same thing with the safeties, right? Javon Holland missed last game. Deshaun Ellie mm-hmm. missed last game. Brandon Jones has been, he's been good. Um, you could definitely, yeah. you know, play him if there's, there's a, uh, if he's going to be starting again, which again, we just have to keep an eye on if Javon Holland and Deshaun Elliott are both playing. If one of them misses, then Brandon Jones, probably the next man up there. Um, yeah, that that's, um, I mean, that's Miami for me. 
that's that's Miami for me too. <laughs> All right, let's go to the New England Patriots at the Denver Broncos. It's Sunday night football here. Uh, where do you want to start uh, on, on this one? Let's let's get New England out of the way because sure. honestly, I got to I don't have really. I, I mean, I have you know Jawan Bentley, I guess, in a uh, a matchup. I mean, against the linebackers, Denver's pretty generous. So right. I mean that elevates Jawan Bentley, but I. Bentley's really, he tricks me into thinking he can be hyper productive any given week. Cause you look at some of the, the key elements of a linebacker that I want is like, all right, is he on the field enough? Sure. He is. Is he, oh, he gets plenty of uh, blitzing ability and pass rush snaps and all these. And then it just translates into just, you know, mediocre production, I think for the most part, but I, I don't know. I, I think a four, what, like last week he had a sub five tackle efficiency so it's that type of weeks that you know is going to be painful but then you look at the matchup and you think all right well maybe this is the week to trust it i just don't know if i want to yeah i don't want to either i and i think you're right he does he tricks people into thinking that you know he, he's a solid starting option but he he, it, he he comes up with the big plays every once in a while and those are nice you like to see those and it makes you feel good about starting him but then like you said there's weeks like last week where the production's down not always a hundred percent snap roll again another one of those man heavy defenses as well so he's not overly efficient as a tackler either so yeah i i, I would not be starting juan bentley where i could afford to to play him um, or to bench him i mean so kyle duggar is really the main guy for me for there new england go. and uh that is pretty much it like uh, outside of deep leagues i don't think you're messing with the patriots too much no and and honestly uh Sure. I mean, I guess on the Denver side, it's it's not like it's this plethora of riches they have. In fact, it's it's kind of the opposite. Name name the third pass rusher on that Denver team outside of Jonathan <laughs> Cooper and Baron Browning. Yeah, and, I mean, Nick, yeah, Nick Benito's, and then he's questionable, right? Like that's, that's yeah. the thing. So, so if Nick Benito doesn't play, it is only Baron Browning and Jonathan Cooper. And um, yeah. these guys played a ton last week, so. Again, volume-based plays really against a poor offensive line if you're desperate, but hopefully you're not desperate, right? Hopefully there's there's, there's other options here. Yeah, I hope so. Um, yeah, <laughs> the other thing here for, for Denver is it looks like Kareem Jackson's set to return here from his suspension, mm -hmm. which unfortunately ends our PJ Locke fun. Um, it seems like uh, it's just whether PJ Locke's... Sorry? So it was a lot of fun having him. It was. Yeah, he was great. And and it just seems like Kareem Jackson is going to obviously work his way back into the starting lineup here. And for PJ Lock managers who have been plugging him in and starting him every week, I think you just avoid him here this week. You got to find another safety. It's just not worth the risk that the, the team doesn't go back to Kareem Jackson, um, which it, it seems like they will. Uh, again, they love their veterans, a lot of these teams. So um We'll see. I, I would not be starting PJ Locke this week. I wouldn't even be starting Kareem Jackson. So it's really Alex Kingleton and um, maybe Jose Jewel deeper, deeper leagues. But yep. that's what yeah, I was going to ask you. If you start both of them, I might just start Singleton, yeah. even though his you know efficiency was down last week. I, I trust know. him to bounce back. He he always seems to do that when he has off weeks, which is limited. Right. Yeah, he's been yeah, he's been excellent. Still one of the most efficient tacklers in the NFL. Um, so we love that. And and he stays in starting lineups for that reason, especially now that he's playing hundred percent snap roll this season. It's been nice to see. But uh yeah, 
pretty easy matchup there to figure out um, for Denver, New England on Sunday Night Football. So let's move to the Christmas Day matchup with your Kansas City Chiefs playing against the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, and we'll start with... Let's start with the Chiefs because um, I'll get your – I'd like to get your um, thoughts on uh, the the Nick Bolton usage a little bit, right? So Bolton, he th- – I think it was the entire first drive of the second quarter they took him out. Now, I didn't see anything injury-wise for the reason for it, but this has happened a few times this year where they just take him out for a drive, and, and I think that drive lasted like 10 defensive snaps as well, right? So th- – that's a big chunk of plays for the most part. And, and it kept him from being a 100% snap player. And outside of that drive, he played every single snap. So it, do you think this is something that we're going to see from Spagnolo on a weekly basis where he's giving Nick Bolton entire drives off and, and basically cutting into that production opportunities? You know, I, I think that the optimistic thing is that if that was the play and that's the plan is that we saw uh, Tranquil and uh, Willie Gay both have lapses in coverage and and in overall tackling. That right. I think that Spags will just see Bolton as the the better option of the three to have on there consistent. And, and Bolton had that big cast on his hand and on his right. arm. And I will tell you that limited a ton of different situations where it looked like they didn't want to put him in. I mean, he couldn't wrap up if you go back a couple weeks ago to the bills he missed out on a couple really really big plays two tackles for losses that he could have had that he didn't because he was trying to wrap up with one arm and i think as that progresses we'll see it but there is reason for for concern i mean if the the production's not there the raiders are uh, in my opinion i think are a, a terrible matchup i don't think that the raiders can get much going offensively and the the chiefs are suppressing opponents by just playing too many snaps on offense by running the ball and meticulously moving downfield. It eliminates those big snap counts for the defense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I I think I have Nick Bolton like LB 16 this week for, um, I typically he's in that, that top 12 range for me, but again, a little bit of concern about that, you know, potentially not playing a hundred percent of snaps. And, um, I, again, the matchup more than anything. So like you said, He's still working his way back here from from IR, so maybe there's potential that that he does get back to that 100% snap range. I think he, I would hope so, right? Um, he's yeah. clearly the best linebacker on that team, so would like to see that. Um, other than that, for Kansas City, you, you like any of the edge rushers or, or defensive linemen here? I know Chris Jones for DT required yeah. leagues, like he's been very quiet recently, but still one of the elite pass rushers. Is there anybody else for you that um, stands out for for Kansas City's defensive line? I mean, I, I love what I've seen out of Omenahu recently mm-hmm. and Carl Loftus, but the the volume and likely ceiling just isn't there. There, I would avoid that at all costs. In fact, actually, there's. Not many players across outside of maybe it uh, in the safety and on the secondary that I would even consider. Yeah, I yeah I don't think so either. Um, I think I have Karloftis just outside the top twenty-four this week. Um, yeah, I, I do like Omenhu as a player. I think he's a really good player. But yeah, IDP mm-hmm. purposes, we're we're really just banking on a sack here. Um, Justin Reed, yeah, has been solid. Um, and then Trent McDuffie and, and Legere Sneed, obviously solid corner options, like you said. So um, yeah, that that's Kansas City. Um, anything mm-hmm. else for your for your Chiefs before we move on? No, trying to pick out which corner and which secondary is, is impossible. Spags just it changes every single week. And so who's gonna blitz the most? It's it's a trick bag, but it's it's you know, it is what it is. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, so oh, Las Vegas side of things. Um, I like, I kind of like this matchup for like a nice bounce back spot for Nate Hobbs. Um, Nate Hobbs has been really quiet over the past two weeks. And part of that was that Thursday night football game. It was a blowout. So the, the Raiders didn't play all of their starters for the entire game. So um, that, that definitely plays a part in it. He's typically been like a close to a 100% snap player. And he's the most efficient um, cornerback tackler uh, in the league, guys that have played at least 50% of snaps, right? 10.1% tackle efficiency, which is really, really high for for a cornerback. Um, And going against the Chiefs this week, giving up the sixth most most tackles per game to the cornerback position, I think there's plenty of opportunity there for somebody like a Nate Hobbs. So I know he's been somebody that a lot of IDP managers have just been leaving in lineups. If you're down on him after a couple down weeks and, and concerned, I, I don't think you stay concerned. I think this is a nice matchup for him to kind of get back on track here. I love the matchup. I mean, Casey has been really generous to uh, slot corners on the other side. It's, you know, seven tackles, nine tackles, five tackles, interception, eight tackles, interception, eight tackles, nine tackles, seven tackles. So it's, yeah. uh, they're, they're, you know, it's giving season is Christmas. So <laughs> it's, this is their present to uh, Nate Hobbs managers. It's so seven it. tackles yeah. or eight. Let's get it. Yes, he's, uh, I think, CB1 for me this week. Uh, yes, CB1. Um, and then other than that, I mean, Max Crosby versus Juwan Taylor. It should be a fun one. But like you said, Max Crosby, uh, he could have one of those 11, pres- 11 pressure, zero sack games, right? Because Patrick Mahomes is just so hard to take down. But Max Crosby is going to be playing a ton this week. I don't think there's going to be concern of a blowout uh, necessarily. Well, maybe on the Chiefs side of things. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's it's... I don't think as likely as it was in years past. So Max Crosby should be getting back into that 97, 100% snap range. I think he's still safe to play in your lineups, obviously. Um, but other than that, for the Raiders, I mean, Robert Spillane, Divine Diablo, yeah. deeper leagues. Anybody else for you? No, that, that's it. I mean, I'm, I'm not believing in Malcolm Kuntz. Uh, no. even, you know, great week, but. Yeah, not against Mahomes. It's just, yeah, it's just not the matchup to do it. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's everybody there for the Raiders side of things. So let's go to the other Christmas Day um, game because the NFL has to take over every single day of the week and not give people a day <laughs> off. Um, the New York Giants at the Philadelphia Eagles is the next one here. So where do you want to start with these two teams? <laughs> you know, I the. Uh... As people may know, we have a show sheet that we kind of can go off of for, to give an example and and base the structure on. And I love the fact that in here, you and I would have written the exact same thing, which is pretty much the entire Philadelphia defensive line against this Giants offensive line, <laughs> because that's the case. The problem is, if you have the clairvoyance to tell me which person it's going to be, I would yeah. love to know. Because any given week, I have the hardest struggle going. Is it Josh Sweat's week? Is it Hassan Reddick? Is it Jalen Carter? And and it. Hell, it, it could be any one of those three or all three of those guys, let's be three, honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could be uh all of the above as well. It's such a nice matchup against the the Giants here and and Tommy Cutlets, assuming he clears concussion protocol um back there, still has the highest pressure to sack conversion rate uh in the league. So he's overtaken Sam Howell um by quite a bit here. But yeah, I like, I mean, obviously, I think Hassan Reddick, like he's the one that's going to be ranked the highest for me. He's edge six, um, but Josh Sweat, edge 18, he's in that range. Jalen Carter, 
I have his DT12. I, I really like Jalen Carter still this week. Um, seventh best pass rush grade for his position, uh, 84.9. And the Giants' interior offensive line, all three of them, their left guard, their right guard, their center, failed to crack even a 50 pass blocking grade. Um, so that is well below average for their position. Um, and then, like I said, like I said, Tommy DeVito starting 39.3% pressure to sack conversion rate is ridiculously high. So yeah, it's just, I love, I love it for the, the entire Eagles D line. I think you have to start them um, if you have them and, and uh, take advantage of this matchup if they can. Yeah. Yeah, you do. And then, I mean, you go back to talk, let's talk about the linebackers real quick because yeah. there, there's an area that, I honestly, I was hoping that maybe, actually, you know what, I think it's back. I've never actually believed, even when they brought in Shaq Leonard, that he was going to play more than what he saw. I, I think that 45 to 50%. I was shocked that it was only 50, like a 50 to 20 right. on first down versus second and third down, or third and fourth down uh, split. I thought it would be more like 80% first and second down and maybe like, you know, 10% of the third and fourth down of at most, but I, I'd be intrigued to see what you think. If that's a trend of things to come or, you know, or when Zach Cunningham, you know, they get or depth returns. If Leonard is just an afterthought still. Yeah. I think he just kind of remains an afterthought. I think most teams have kind of figured out that he's just not the same player that he once once was right. That, yeah. that back surgery really messed him up. Obviously he doesn't move the same and, Teams limiting him. I mean, that's that's what he was with the Colts, right? He was that eighty percent on on early downs, and then just not at all on on third and fourth downs, right? Those crucial mm -hmm. passing downs. So Philadelphia kind of treating him in the same way. But I was surprised. I I, I thought he'd crack over fifty percent um, th this week with or this past week with uh, Zach Cunningham out, but didn't even do that. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just you're just not trusting him. I, I think even especially if Cunningham gets back into the lineup, he he's he's not making I think any IDP starting lineup. So um, just doesn't have not a good outlook there for for Shaquille Leonard even on Philadelphia on a new team. Um, just going to be like a rotational kind of role player here going forward. It looks like yeah, and you know I'm comfortable. I Kevin Byard will be in. Uh, yep. The majority of my lineups, Reed Blankenship is <laughs> right on the cusp of that. I think that the matchup is is okay. It's not ideal. The Giants offensively just, you know, you, you never know. Because two weeks ago, the Giants looked offensively uh, looked uh, much better. And yeah. you think they could move the ball. But then we see just week in and week out, they just don't have the, they don't have the pieces. They don't have the offensive line to keep them upright. And I think it's going to be uh, an ugly game altogether. And I think that's really all I have for the Eagles, unless you have someone else. No, I'm with you. I think that is pretty much everybody. So let's talk about the the New York Giants here quickly uh, and their IDPs. And the one I, I guess I want to start with is Kayvon Thibodeau because this matchup against the Philadelphia offensive line is not a good one. He's had he's got 11 and a half sacks on the season, um, which he's mostly done because of high end playing time. Right, he's averaging 87 percent of the defensive snaps on the year. But you look at his pass rush metrics, some of the underlying metrics that we look at, 63rd at his position in pass rush grade. He's tied for 100th at his position in win rate with 6.3%. Those are super concerning numbers this week, right? So he's he lines up on both sides of the defensive line as well. It's not a good matchup either way, right? It's it's Jordan Mailata on one side, Lane Johnson on the other. Both of those guys are top 20 at their position in pass blocking grade. You couple that with the fact that Jalen Hurts has the fifth best pressure to sack conversion rate in the league among quarterbacks who have played at least 50% of the snaps. I mean, 
to me, Kayvon Thibodeau, really just volume-based play if you're going to start him, but he's on the low end of edge three range for me this week. Yep, same here. Nice. Um, other than I do that, like the safeties. Sorry. Yes. No, go go ahead. Yeah, let, I'll let you talk about the safeties. So, I mean, just against Philly. Philly's been you know extremely generous to safeties. I, I always like Xavier McKinney for the potential splash play. Uh, I haven't seen it as much this year as what I would hope for, I guess. I mean, I've seen it more than we have in last year, which doesn't take much to do, but um, <laughs> that, and then, you know, Jason Pinnock has been good for the the same thing. We, we see uh, if there's a playmaker and guess what? They're on the field enough that they're likely to walk into, to something, you know, uh, positive in their side. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I like those guys. They're in starting range for me as well. I, I prefer McKinney if I have to choose one. He's getting a little bit more of the favorable alignment, but um, both of them have been solid. And yeah, Bobby O'Karake, I know he had the down week last week, but uh, yeah. still uh, obviously a strong starting option, but he's really the only one I'm considering here this mm-hmm. week. Uh, not not a Micah McFadden week for me this week. No. All right, let's Go on to the final game here of week 16, Monday night football, the Baltimore Ravens at the San Francisco 49ers. Um, Starting with, let's start with the Ravens IDPs. And this is another one of those matchups that's really good for the safeties. Um, Like like you just mentioned against Philadelphia, the 49ers have given up the most tackles per game to the safety position. Um, Marcus Williams is banged up. He he suffered that groin injury last week, so I don't know if he's going to play this week. Could be a nice matchup for, for Geno stone. And then obviously Kyle Hamilton as well. Who's been, who's been excellent uh, recently. So I, I really like it for those guys. I like the matchup for, I mean, I don't like the matchup, but I like, I, I feel fine putting Roquan Smith and, and Patrick Queen in my lineup. Obviously those mm-hmm. guys have just been um, solid all year long. So I don't think you're really questioning them too much, but other than that, um, Justin had a week, at least a half sack in 11 straight games, right? Yeah. Tying an NFL record now could break the record this week. It's just it's it's a tougher matchup to do it. Uh, Brock Purdy's actually done a really nice job at avoiding sacks. Um, the 49ers offensive line or the pass blocking unit hasn't been great. So that that's kind of the 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 saving grace here for Matabuike. Um, I mean, I, I think you start him though, right? I, I, he's just been so consistent. Absolutely. And when yeah. fitting that, you know what? The uh the Ravens and Matabuke with the sack total looking like could potentially, if it came to an end, would be devastating. But on the opposite end, San Francisco, who had their own record that they were trying to with the Christian McCaffrey touchdown record, oh. was held out of the end zone, not by Baltimore, of course. But right. you think here's two of the uh, the records that were being held <laughs> by two teams, and maybe San Francisco won't ruin Matabuke's uh, dreams. Because <laughs> that's about, I mean, he's a free agent. This no, talk about contract year, uh, boom. Good job for him. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely uh, earned himself some money this offseason. That is 100% for sure. Um, but, yeah, anybody else on Baltimore that, that you're considering starting this week? No, nobody against that offensive line. I, they're too stout. Yeah. Yep. With you. So let's talk about the last team of the week. It is the San Francisco 49ers. Um, nice matchup here for the linebackers. Um, Baltimore giving up the fifth most tackles per game to the linebacker position. So you love that for Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw. Those guys are starting. Um, 
I like it for Jair Brown as well, mm-hmm. the safety there, because um, Baltimore giving up a, a lot. Again, second most tackles to the safety position. So I'd like this as a, a nice Jair Brown week. He's, again, more of a matchup dependent play for me um, on most weeks. But I think this is a, this is one of those strong matchups where you could put in Jair Brown uh, uh, comfortably and, and, and be fine with starting him. But other than that, I mean... Nick Bosa, we know we we start him. Um, anybody else that you want to talk about uh, for the 49ers? No, I mean really, because I can't even I can't trust Chase Young. He's just he's entirely sack dependent, and that's been half sacks here and there, and right. nothing else to even fill the stats. So, yeah, you hit everybody. Nice. There we go. Yeah. Um, I think that's everybody for me as well. Yeah. We'll see if Javon Hargrave plays um, or, or not. Yeah. I know he missed last game, but I, I do like him in DT required leagues. If not, maybe Javon Kinlaw is an option for those deeper leagues, but yeah, I'm with you. It's not a great matchup for corners um, either. So Diamador, Lenore, Char- Charvarius Ward have been excellent. Um, not, not a great matchup for those guys. So you could potentially find a streaming option this week uh, if you need to. So other than that, that's it. Eight. We went through the entire 16-game slate here, and uh, yeah, you absolutely crushed it as expected. So I cannot thank you enough for for coming on here and helping people get ready for fantasy football semifinals. I, I really do appreciate it, man. Oh, man. It's, it's an honor, pleasure, treat. Uh, hopefully we steer some people into the uh, fantasy championships. That's Obviously, that's the goal of us every single week. Uh, yep. Again, seriously, this has been... Uh, Dream come true. Appreciate everything that you do for everybody. And uh, just sharing a screen with you is pretty awesome. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this and, and getting you on here. And uh, yeah, you did not disappoint. So I, I've been happy to do it and happy to have you on. So I really appreciate it. And and before you do go, please uh, let everybody know where they could find more of you and your work as well. Sure. If you want to uh, follow or comments or anything, my uh, DMs are open over on X Twitter at Nate Markham. Uh, most importantly, follow the guys over at Fantasy and Frames, our IDP content over there, redraft, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, go on and on. Shoot the Gap podcast is every Wednesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern, except for tonight, where I we have bumped it to tomorrow, where he is under the weather, and we're going to do that tomorrow night and get you ready following up what uh, John and I have already talked about. But, yeah, this and uh, Fantasy Pros rankings and are up each week if you want to get an idea of how those are. Um, they're free. So please uh, jump in and check them out. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely check out Nate, his work and the guys at fantasy and frames as well. Do great work over there. So um, yeah, again, Nate, appreciate you coming on. Thank you to everybody for listening as well. Um, Again, you can find all my work on pff.com. You know what it is by now. IDP rankings, IDP fantasy report, all that fun stuff um, up on pff.com for free. Um, guys, good luck this week in the fantasy semifinals. I'll drop a little start sit thread in the uh, YouTube comment section. If you do have questions this week, and hopefully we could get you into those finals, like Nate said, but I uh, appreciate you all listening and watching. And until next time, peace out.